Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All coaches aspire to be champions, and this time of year is when you set that vision for your team. By now, listeners of this podcast know about signature championship rings and have met some of the signature champion coaches who partner with them to celebrate their achievements. Reputable, affordable, first-class customer service are just some of the ways we keep hearing coaches describe signature championship rings. So as you're ramping up this summer for the upcoming season, create a championship vision for your team now using the design tool at signaturechampions.com podcast. Give your team a visual to motivate their pursuit of a championship in 2024. And when your team has a championship moment to celebrate, we highly recommend consulting with Signature Championship Rings. When you think you've gotten to a place that you are successful or you've gotten to the top of the mountain, it's it's time to look around and see if there's another mountain to climb somewhere else. There's a bigger mountain off on the horizon. There's a, a new challenge and you know, find ways to make sure that there's no stagnant, stale, complacent attitude or behavior. You can always be better at something. We're back for another week of Culture OS with our host, Rob Pomazak. Rob, another great one here with Kyle Ralph, the head football coach at New Palestine High School in Indiana. Yeah, Kyle is a gentleman I was really eager to speak with. I've seen him speak on the uh, clinic circuit. But when you talk about a coach who has had success as a player at St. Xavier High School, then moving on to uh, North Carolina, where he was an all-ACC offensive lineman, to his transition as head coach to New Palestine High School just outside of Indianapolis. You see this intensity at every step of the way, and he just articulates his program mission so clearly, and they're doing great things both in-season and out-of-season, so it was really exciting to sit down and talk to him and get a, a deeper dive into what makes them the championship program that they are year in and year out. As another excellent interview, and You and I will come back here at the end of that to share the winning edge ideas and takeaways for implementation. Here's Culture OS with Kyle Ralph. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer 
on your first fundraiser. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www.teammofo.com slash demo and mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. First, I want to thank my guest, Kyle Ralph from New Palestine High School for joining us to Culture OS. I'm the host, Rob Pomazek, and just so everybody kind of knows what we're all about here. I'm a head coach of 12 years and going on 24 years of coaching and a lifelong learner. And when I got the opportunity from Keith to sit down and talk to some of the best and brightest coaches in the country, I jumped at it. So the first person that came to my mind when I was looking at building a program is somebody who I've listened to numerous times at clinics. And our guest today is Kyle Ralph from New Palestine High School. Kyle, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate your time, and we'll just jump right into it and get this thing rolling. So, Kyle, obviously at New Pal, you guys have had a ton of success. As the head coach, what's your overall mission, vision, and purpose when you went there and first started out trying to build that program? The biggest thing for me was we had to address, you know, the kids being great kids first. Not that they were bad kids or... It's a problem school. It's a great district. It's a great community. It's a fantastic area right outside Indianapolis. But our whole philosophy and what our motto is, is win the day. It's about challenging yourself to be a great person first. And my first meeting with the boys, this is my 11th year here now. And I've been a head coach for 11 years. This is my first head coaching job. That first meeting with the boys in the auditorium, we didn't even talk about football. Mm -hmm. It was about trying to make them be great people, understand what that took first. And I always say that the less you have to deal with from the end of school to the start of football practice, the better off you're going to be because you can just walk on that field and coach football then. And we want our kids to be great human beings, number one, great students, and then obviously great players because you don't win without great players. But those first two things are, for me, a non-negotiable. So I was reading an article about when you first got the job, you were living in Cincinnati and you would drive over and spend a night and then a day with the kids. How important and yeah. integral was that that beginning to setting the foundation and, and the long-term vision that you had for your guys? You know, the reality of being a head coach is it's not easy. I and mean, we kind of have a saying here that it takes what it takes. My wife had just had our second child, Madison our daughter. And I was announced early February, I believe it was, as the head coach. New Pal is where my wife is actually from. So it made that a little bit easier. But I met the team really right around the time that my daughter was born. And I'd gotten the job, obviously. And so we knew that we were going to have to move from Cincinnati to New Pal. 
And with me then having to go back and forth a whole bunch, it wasn't fair to my wife with my son at the time. And then my, my daughter then being born to put all that burden on her. So she actually moved up to New Pal to stay with her mom and dad. And then I stayed in Cincinnati, finished the year out teaching, got the house ready to sell. So what I did is I, I had to make the workouts around my schedule so I could be there the most I could possibly be there, see the kids, get to know the kids, build relationships with the kids. I couldn't be absent for that stuff. So Mondays, I would leave Withrow High School in Cincinnati. I would drive about an hour and 30, hour and 35 minutes up to New Pal to catch the back end of the afternoon workout. I had them work out on Tuesday mornings then really early. So I would come to the morning workout for a little bit, see the boys, drive all the way back to Cincinnati for the school day, teach all day, stay in Cincinnati Wednesday, get the house prepared and stuff like that. Thursday, teach in Cincinnati, drive up to New Pal. Friday morning, go to morning workouts, drive back to Cincinnati, teach. And then Friday night, I would drive all the way back up to New Pal to obviously be with my wife and my kids. And then Sunday, turn back and drive back for Monday work. So uh, it wasn't easy. The gas mileage was brutal. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, we were kind of at a period of time where gas prices weren't at a peak, I guess. But, you know, our the athletic director who hired me, who just retired last year, he used to tell that story to people all the time mm-hmm. because I, I think it really showed how invested I was in making this thing go the right way. It wasn't easy for sure. Those drives at times were obviously lonely and there's a lot of time to think about stuff. If what you're doing is the right thing, if we're making any progress, how are we going to know if we're going to be good enough? Uh, Are the kids buying what you're selling? There's a lot of that time to sit there and reflect. But I think the big thing for the kids was they really appreciated how much I was sacrificing to find a way to get to know them, be around them, push them a little bit as as I built those relationships and stuff up. And it it wasn't easy for sure. Uh, it was a really, really tough. And I, I did that for February, March, and April. So for three straight months, that was pretty much my life. But again, it, it takes what it takes. I, I wanted to get the program going in the right direction. Those kids deserved it. And I've got to lead by example. It takes what it takes. It's a, it's a great book by Trevor Moad that was one of our program staples last year. So it's, it, that hits a note with me when you say that. Obviously, you've, you've brought the program to, to heights they've never seen before over these past, these past years. I mean, you were up for the Don Shula Coach of the Year Award. You've won multiple state championships. But when, you, when I hear you talk, I think about those days as a head coach, that the, the hours that people don't see. What is your personal why? What drives you to do not just the initial push, but the sustained push that you've had for over a decade, which is really, I think, just remarkable. And probably the hardest thing as a head coach to do is keep that keep that ball rolling after you've already achieved some of the success you've had. Yeah, I mean, you're very right. The sustained part is probably one of the most difficult things. And I think that's what we're probably proudest of here. But the heart of the question, I've got to give a lot of credit to my mom and dad. I was raised in my opinion, the right way. My dad came from a pretty a pretty humble and relatively poor background when he was young. Um, he's from down in Evansville, Indiana, and then ended up growing up for part of his life then back in Ohio in a small town called Sydney. 
you know, but I'd like to think that I was raised the right way and and taught that, you know, when you want something in life, you've got to work hard for it um, and that nothing's going to come easy to you. And maybe you're not going to be always be the most talented or the the biggest or the fastest or the strongest. But my dad always made me work hard and practice the crafts that I wanted to be good at, whether it was, you know, when I decided to play football, I didn't play football till sixth grade. But when I made that choice, I actually wanted to quit and he wouldn't let me because I decided I wanted to play. And so he he made me at least finish that year out. And it was it was a great decision. And I actually grew up playing soccer a lot, a lot of soccer and travel soccer and played travel basketball and and was successful there and played a lot of baseball and travel baseball. So it really never mattered what I I chose to do athletically or, or even academically. He just kind of my dad, especially just kind of wired me to if you're going to do something, it's going to be your absolute best. And if that's not good enough, then you're going to keep working to to be the best that you possibly can be at that. And, you know, that always stuck with me. And I think I've always been wired a little bit different. You know, my dad was tough on me, but I think that that part of it was when you think you've gotten to a place that you are successful or you've gotten to the top of the mountain. It's, it's time to look around and see if there's another mountain to climb somewhere else. There's a bigger mountain off on the horizon. There's a, a new challenge. And, you know, find ways to make sure that there's no stagnant, stale, complacent attitude or behavior. You can always be better at something. We've kind of reinvented ourselves at New Pal the last 11 years. I mean, there's obviously a core of things that we do that probably aren't going to change very much that we feel are very you know, near and dear to our success and our program. But as the years go, we've always tooled and tinkered and changed and adapted and tried to find ways to make sure we keep some sort of an edge. And that really is like my obsession with everything is, and I think it stems from how I was raised, but there is no complacency or, hey, we've really accomplished something great here for us, the program, myself. There's a new challenge, it's a new year, there's new kids, there's new opponents. Every week, every year, every offseason is something different. And we have a tremendous mentality to keep pushing and make sure that we don't just accept where we are as we've met a destination. You can always do something to, to improve in and get better at. So, again, it's not easy. It is, it's really, really difficult. I think that complacent attitude is something that creeps in at a lot of places. And again, I'm really proud of what we've been able to do because that's something that I don't feel like has ever happened here. There's so much to unpack there. That's absolutely gold. Uh, and I appreciate your, your honesty with all of that. I, I think the first thing that kind of came to my mind was you talked about, you have your core, your core beliefs, your core culture, and then there's the reinvention that happens every year. So I first want to focus in on, what is the core beliefs that have set you guys apart and on the path to where you guys are now? Well, number one, I mentioned earlier is the, the win the day motto. And, and just at the end of the day, you know, every day is a challenge. And no matter what you're going through in life, I think that that's something you can really hang your hat on is that when you look in the mirror at the end of the day, you win or you lose. And that's a pretty simple competition with yourself that did you do all the things that you were supposed to do that day? Did you do them well? Did you make the right choices? And when you look in the mirror, you're either a better or a worse person. You don't ever stay the same. So, you know, for our kids, that's really what the whole thing's about is 
making great choices, you know, studying for your test, helping out your grandma and grandpa, going out and shoveling the driveways with snow, showing up to weightlifting on time, working your hardest when you're there. Get a, you know, if the best you can do on a science test is a B, then you get a B, not a D. You know, all the little things about what are you doing to make yourself the best version of you every day. When you look in the mirror, there's nowhere to hide. And you know if you want or you're lost. And I think that's a really important part of what we do. The second part is uh, a couple of years ago, I read a read a great book by Jocko Willink, and it talked about you know some of the things that the military does with their core principles. And so a couple of years ago, I really wanted the kids to get invested in what we want to leave as far as that leadership council's legacy of what you're looking for out of a new Palestine dragon and what our core values of our program are that you've learned from the groups before you that you understand now and that you want to pass on to people that are coming behind you in the future. And so we, we spent, I would say four to five about hour long meetings over the course of about a month. And our leadership council started with 30 items, 30 words, and then we whittled that down to three and they ended up being commitment, toughness, and passion. And for me, it was great because those things really don't require any talent at all. So every player in my program can understand and relate to what those are. And it's something that you can manufacture yourself. But the big part of it is those three things for our program. We made a t-shirt that has those three words on it as well. We, we didn't make enough for everybody. We did a really cool thing where the leadership council picked a couple of kids. They felt embodied those three things. They weren't themselves. They could not pick themselves. Mm -hmm. And then we gave those shirts out to a couple of the players on the team that they felt embodied those three things. And then those guys that earned that shirt, they would vote every week to add members or not add members to that club. And then that person would get a shirt. Slowly that room would fill up. But Again, you earn things here. So we didn't make enough for everybody. It wasn't just a team t-shirt. Mm -hmm. You know, we have every year, including freshmen, probably about 80 to 85 kids in the program. And we only made, you know, 30 or 35 shirts. So it was a very special thing and a badge of honor to be given one because your peers also pick. I don't vote. Mm -hmm. um, we do a lot of that type of stuff. But, you know, the commitment part of it for us is huge. Our all-season program is really hard. We don't, again, we don't have a lot of players because of the difficulty of some of that stuff. It's not a huge school, but our average offseason attendance the last couple of years now, each one of them has been over 97%, including holidays, vacations, sicknesses. I mean, when your team's coming to 97% or more of the lifts on average, that's pretty impressive. You know, and our kids play a lot of other sports. We've got yeah. the most ever winter sports kids we've had this year. Last year was the record. This year broke it. We've got a ton of kids involved in baseball and track. We've had swimmers, all kinds of stuff. So it's not that we just want you doing football constantly and nonstop. But look, when you're here or when you're available, we expect you to be here and we expect you to be working. And so the commitment piece of it's huge because when you look around that room, you see a group full of people who's going through the same stuff you are. That's important. The toughness part, mental and physical toughness, obviously, is pretty self-explanatory. But, you know, the mental side of things. There's a lot of kind of, you know, I guess, questionable stuff about what's mentally tough. You know, for me, mental toughness is when you go through adverse times or things aren't going your way or something bad has happened, the game's not going your direction, 
do you just fold up your tent or do you actually just dig your feet in the ground and you keep battling? And I think that's what our kids want to see out of each other. The physical side of things, obviously the weight room stuff helps and, and all that. That's pretty self-explanatory. But and then the last one is passion. You know, I think the one thing I'll say about our kids over the last 11 years, there have been very, very few times where our kids aren't the most excited team to play on a Friday night. And we really challenge them to that of, are you the most excited team out there? Because the reality is, with as much as we've won, the list of losses is not very high. So everybody wants to be the next one to join the club of a very select few people who have beaten us in 11 years. And if you don't come out with that passion, that excitement for the sport, your teammates, the community, your friends, if you don't play the game from your heart, then you're giving them a chance to essentially put their name on that list. And, and our kids have done a good job of understanding that. So those three things are really important to us. Those are our, what we call our three core values of our program. And again, the best part is they take no talent or ability. It's all something that you can find inside of you. I mean, that's just an absolutely fantastic way of, of articulating how, how you've built it. And just in case people were following along, it sounds like, you know, you established the beliefs and then you brought in your, your players and then they developed what they felt like they've seen out of the players before them. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, I gave them a template of, we, we do a couple of different exercises with our leadership council, but over the previous years, we'd kind of built, you know, characteristics and we kind of rank them on what you're looking for out of teammates. So what I did is I just, I took all those things we'd done for some of the years previous. And after reading that book, I was like, all right, I want to really focus this and harness the stuff that we've done now for years. I, I want to do better at it. You know, I want to make this something even more important, more focused. So yeah, we took a list of a template of about 30 things that we had discussed, and then they would essentially all vote on their most important, get up in front of everybody, talk about it. And we just started kind of just tightening that list up to, I think it was 15, then to 10, then to eight, then to five, then then we got to our final three. And I'll tell you what, teenage kids, you would kind of think like, well, how good of a discussion is that going to be? They take it incredibly seriously. And we had some, you know, some kids that were challenged on their opinions, not not disrespected, but challenged and great viewpoints and great opinions and and really well-spoken stuff. And some of the kids had written out pages of what that word meant, just one word meant to them and why it should represent us. I mean, it was a really impressive month or so worth of meetings and something special to be a part of. And and again, I think the point was hit. They took years of information and data we'd worked on they squeezed it into something really powerful and that now it's been uh let's see it's been three years since we've done that four seasons but three years it still is a lasting part of what we do and what we talk to our kids about so the desired effect was met it must have been a nice experience to kind of sit back and and let your let your kids be you know let the program be a player-led program and kind of get their viewpoint because it probably, I don't know, was it different than what you thought the direct, did it go in a different direction or did it kind of go how you planned it would go? You know, that's kind of the, one of the unique things about being a head coach. Every once in a while, <laughs> you know, every once in a while you, you roll the dice and you gamble mm -hmm. and boy, it can really blow up in your face and it can be a home run. 
the first meeting, I'll be honest, uh, it was a little bit rocky, but I think some of it was they were really overwhelmed with a list of 30 things. Each meeting, though, just got better and better and better and better. Now, and I understand that when you look at 30 words and you've got to really think about what those words actually mean, that's hard for a teenage kid. Like, well, what, are, what does this word actually mean? What, you know, what does, what does the word heart mean to me that passion doesn't mean to me or, or vice versa? So that can be difficult. But yeah, once that, once that, that list started getting whittled down, the meetings just got better and better and better and more passionate, more focused, more driven. So yeah, I mean, it could have absolutely blown up and, and they could have just, you know, brushed it off and this is silly. Let's just, let's get in a little group text. Let's pick three words and let's get this over with. But that's why they're on your leadership council too, I guess, because they're, they're going to take things seriously. So, yeah, I mean, there's certainly times where we've done some stuff and it doesn't go very well. And you kind of look at why it maybe went that way. And there's some things like that one that are, incredible examples of what makes us really proud of our boys and our program and the kids that we do have. I think you, you kind of alluded to that you haven't had the same iteration of the program in the years that you've been there, correct? So as a head coach, I often think of us as creators because we are trying to create this experience. What is your personal process for creating the yearly experience that you're bringing to the kids and, and how does it differ? And What's that look like as you're going through this off season? What are you looking at and how are you wanting to get that to your players and program? Yeah, that's, again, one of the harder parts. Every year is so vastly different. You know, I, I think the goals are different. The ceiling is different. The basement is different. Every year just has its own complete identity. You know, to me, the one thing that we're big on is the standard here is the standard. Like, we're never going to lower the bar. For anybody, regardless, the expectation is that you're going to be at weightlifting, you're going to give your best, you're going to be at the conditioning stuff, you're going to be at Dawn Patrol, you'll be there for the, you know, summer practices, you're going to, you know, all all the things that, you know, you're going to be respectful in the classroom, you're going to be great out in the community, you're going to treat people the right way. All that stuff is not negotiable. We're, We're never going to lower that bar ever. So again, kind of that core piece of the program, that's not changing. And so every year, regardless of what year you are, how old you are, how many games you've played in, you know that's coming. That's just how things are. You know, again, the thing that changes, though, is obviously your depth, your talent, experience, and then everything else has to start kind of branching off from that as you make a vision for what this team is, you know, what they're going to be, who might be able to play what, what those kids are going to need, how you push them enough where they can actually rise and grow and not kind of wither and fall. You know, every kid's so different. I think that's a good thing of what we do is getting to know the kids, how to talk to them. How to, I mean, every kid's so vastly different and, and we're not in a huge community here. I mean, our school's 1200 kids. It's it's not a big place. So, you know, we're, our school's probably big for the area that we're in, actually, just because we draw a lot of people in in our county and stuff. But it's really not a large community or a large town. So we're like everybody else, though. You're going to have kids on this end of the spectrum that are, you know, maybe from a, a wealthy family in a great area with a million dollar home. 
and you're going to have people on this side of the spectrum who, you know, he maybe hasn't eaten in the last 24 to 36 hours and doesn't have food on the table and hasn't been able to get a ride to practices or school. And, and you've got to find a way to get all that and in between <laughs> to function together. So, you know, get to know your kids and build those relationships up, understanding, you know, how you can push different kids and sometimes what they need to hear and what they don't need to hear that as a head coach and an assistant coach is insanely difficult. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also a little bit of the fun that keeps it exciting for me is like right now we're going to max out next week at the end of our first off season cycle, you can feel the energy. And I was telling one of our assistants today, like we're really off to a great start this off season. We bring back almost our entire team. We bring back, you know, I think eight starters or more on each side of the ball, essentially. A lot of those guys are really young. They can kind of feel that momentum building. And so now it's like last year it was more of we just have to get these young kids confident so they can function and just have some success because we started nine to ten sophomores and a freshman last year at some points. So the offseason, the drive, the push – it was not anything like what we're doing this year because last year was build confidence, build them up physically, build them up mentally. Let's get them in a position to be successful. Let's not overload them. You know, and we weren't soft on them or anything, but like it was a totally different spectrum of need than what we have this year. Most of our team played for us last year. They're going to be very experienced and veteran, though they're still young kids. They know what to expect. And so now you can start to really drive them as you built that relationship up and you know how they operate because you watched them play 14 games this year. You can really take that to a totally different level that last year we we would not have ever approached. So, yeah, every year is different. And, and I think that's a big part of coaching is figuring that out. And then once you find the button, push it. Yeah. It's it's never the same story year in and year out. I mean, at least that's been my experience as a head coach. It's, and it does yeah. keep it fun. It does keep it new. Every year feels like, I always say it's like that rookie mentality. I mean, regardless of the success you had, it's always a brand new challenge, regardless of what you did the year prior, because it's a whole new bag. You, you touch on the off season. You guys do an amazing job of building those kids up physically in the weight room. But what's the flip side of that from the other aspects of their development and how you onboard kids to the, the new Palestine culture and those beliefs? And how does that get tethered into what you're doing? Because I've, I've read articles where you say that's pivotal to what you guys do. You know, the strength stuff's great. Obviously, you know, that I tell the kids all the time, like, look, you can bench press a thousand pounds and, and squat 2000 pounds. But if you can't play football, you can't play. I mean, your strength only does so much. The biggest part of the strength training is number one, kind of what you're talking about is self-confidence. Mm -hmm. Two is to help protect you from injuries. And then three is just strength. I mean, that's really the last product of what we're doing is trying to get kids stronger. The first two pieces are critically important. And number one is really kind of what you're talking about. Look, there's no secret. Like, when kids look in a mirror, they see things and they notice like, what's this over here? Like, what's that right there? Oh my gosh, I didn't have that. I didn't have that two months ago, you know? And 
it's it's that simple. Like that click of I like how I look because of what I'm doing Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. This is changing me physically. It is. You're gaining strength. But the mental belief of, well, if I look like this now, I looked like that before, I can probably do things that I couldn't do before. And you know what? The truth of it is, whether they can or they can't, the mental side of it, just them believing it's possible Mm -hmm. is the whole battle. If you know you squat 405 pounds and the guy that you're going to play against, you've seen his stuff on Twitter or Instagram and he squats 340, you already walk in with a mental advantage of knowing I'm stronger than him. And talent, that they don't even care about that stuff. It's, look, I think I can do this because I can move this much weight. I've put in this much time. I've put in this much effort. I look this way. It's such a massive part for high school kids and just people in general. It's just mm-hmm. a human nature thing. But for our kids, that mental change from I'm a weak sophomore, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not fast enough, I'll never be able to do these things. You fast forward a calendar year and you look in that mirror and think, my gosh, look at what I am. I, I weighed 152. Now I'm 163. And I look like this. I ran a little bit. And, and we do a lot of data collection on our guys, too. Yeah. So we chart their speed and and a lot of different things. But, you know, I ran faster. I'm heavier. I jumped higher. I lift more. That starts to elevate that kid's mental psyche of, I can maybe get this done. And, and, mm-hmm. and honestly, some kids, it takes longer than others. Some kids, you know, we call it a senior miracle. It may take them three years of development, and all of a sudden their senior year, they've gone through puberty. They've maybe, you know, they're a little bit late, or yeah. all of a sudden everything clicked. And all of a sudden it's like, man, where did this guy come from? I mean, he's out there playing like a demon, and he was a JV guy for us as a junior last year. And now he's a starting linebacker, starting receiver, leading tackler on special teams, whatever it is. Everybody's time is different. And some kids, it clicks and it happens earlier than others. But that's really where we make a lot of our mileage at with our kids is they really have an unwavering belief that what we do makes them ready and helps them win. And you can't take that away from them. You might be better. You might be bigger. You might be heavier, faster. You've got Division One scholarship offers and they don't. But they really believe because of what we do, they can go compete with anybody. And we've been able to prove that, which obviously helps if you – if you yeah. lose eight games, nine games a year, that's obviously tough. Sure. But we've gotten the job done with, and we've had great players, don't get me wrong, but we've gotten the job done with what everybody would consider normal kids mm-hmm. a lot. And when everyone in our community grows up watching that type of player achieve and get those results, they think it's possible too. And honestly, now, you know, our eighth grade guys come over and live with us in the off season. They've grown up seeing it and watching it. Mm-hmm. It's not something that we even think twice about. Every kid that grows up here, when they essentially get through eighth grade football, they already know what they're in for. And they already know the expectations and what we do. 
and what the program's all about. So the success is Brett's success for sure, but that weight room piece of it is not so much about strength as it is changing your brain to make your brain believe that you can do things that you probably shouldn't be able to do. I mean, you, you hit on, you know, in player development, the idea of that four-year process that, that gets lost so often in this day and age where it's that instant gratification, I've got to be good like right now. And even with the way that recruiting is shaped up where it's like, you know, junior year being so important, but at the high school level, that fourth year, like you said, that senior miracle, it's like, we're not training you for your sophomore year or your junior year. We're training you for that four-year commitment that you're making. Uh, right. And then when you get those eighth graders looking at it, that perpetual motion machine starts kicking in where you, that's where I think this is just, sustained success starts to uh to come in but on that note like you you've got the player buy-in how do you tether in the other stakeholders your staff i mean there's a lot that you guys do and i'm sure there's somebody sitting here listening going how do i how do i do this how do i bring people in how do you tether in your your parents and your staff into into this culture uh the parent part is honestly pretty easy and i really don't we have great parents here we have a good community i really don't get I think 11 years I've maybe had one issue with a parent, truthfully. You know, the thing with the parents is I'm very upfront and honest with them. We only meet twice a year, but everything that we do is transparent. You you want to come sit in the bleachers at practice, come on out and watch. You know, we're not hiding anything. We don't cuss at our kids. You're not going to hear us, you know, drop the F-bomb at practice. It's not happening. You want to come out, you want to go sit there and watch us from up in the bleachers every every day of the week. Come on out, watch us practice, watch your kids, watch us coach them. All the kids are getting coached. They're all doing drills. They're all involved. They're all participating. No one's staying on the sideline with their hands in their pants doing nothing. Everybody's out there active getting coached. You want to come watch us lift? Come on in. You know, we have a Ironman challenge every year where we bring teams in and do a lifting competition. It's open to our parents and the other team's parents. Come on in and watch. Like, See what we do with our kids. Watch the intensity. Watch your kids have a great time. Yeah, it's awful. It's tough. There's a lot of weight. They're always sore. Come watch your kids get excited about this stuff. You know, the two meetings we have a year, I'm pretty upfront and honest, and I I have been since I got here. The meeting agenda really hasn't changed in 11 years. We address a couple odds and ends things, the booster stuff, and then I pretty much tell them that my job is twofold here. I was hired 11 years ago for a reason, and that hasn't changed for the last 11, and it won't change next year at 12. Number one is to help grow your son into a young man through the game of football and hopefully send him out of here after four years as a better person because of his time, and two, win. So anything in between that, I don't care about. I don't care what your last name is, where you're from, if you played here, how much money you donate to the school, how big your house is, what car you drive, not interested. If your son is going to help us by doing those two things, he will play. And there is no favorites. I, I mean, I've I've had some of my assistant sons on my team and they do not play. They're not the best player for the job. Now, they were great kids, but they were not the best player in their position group. And that's understood. You have to help us win football games because at the end of the day, if I'm not 
turning your kids into better people and we're not winning games, I'm getting fired. And my family needs me to earn money and be a coach and be a teacher and be employed. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that keeps happening. And I want to be the best coach in the country. So if it's not helping any of those things happen, they're not out there. And it's one thing, I mean, I, you can't say that I have favorites of anything because it's strictly, are you a great kid that represents us the right way? And are you helping us win? And I'll give our kids a bunch of credit too. If they don't win a job at one spot, they want to go compete at a different one to help us win. There's no, I mean, we just have not had a problem with sell. And I'm up front with the kids too. You know, it, every day, every week's competition, just because you don't have a spot now doesn't mean you can't get one later. You perform in the opportunities you get and practice or outperform your counterparts in practice. You're getting a job and, and you're, you're getting on that field. So, you know, at day's end, I think that transparency is transparency is a critical piece of, of all that stuff. Coaching wise, it's probably pretty unique. Honestly, this year is the most coaches I've ever had in the building. We have four. Usually most years we've had two, occasionally three, but this year we got four. A lot of my guys are lay coaches, so I'm very lucky. There are a lot of community members. They love football. They love New Palestine, but it is a very high standard to coach for me, you know, and and they understand like this is what the program is now. You're expected to be at your best, prepared, coaching, you know, at the clinic stuff, learning, talking to people, finding ways to be better every year, pushing your group to the best of their abilities, developing kids, all that stuff. So it is hard because they're not in the building. You know, a lot of those guys off season wise, I kind of tell them get in there when you can, you know, if, if you get out of work a little bit early or this job up here got done early, you've got a day off. Some of my guys are firefighters and stuff. Pop in the weight room. You don't got to be there for the entire time, but look, the kids want to see you. They want to talk to you real quick, and then you can go about your day. You know, I handle the weight room every day. One of my assistants is in there with me every day. We got guys that pop in and out. You know, we we had uh, today. We had three of the assistants pop in to the weight room today. You know, that's great. The kids love that stuff. They understand that they're not teachers. They understand that they've got families and real jobs, and you know, nine to fives, and some days are better than others. So. Any days that my staff can get in there are bonuses. We get some chance to do some off-season stuff and everything too. But, you know, I, I think that as the years have gone on, our staff has become incredibly proud of what we built. And they want to also be kind of the flag holders of that standard. So, yeah, it's hard to be in a program like this where people expect us to win essentially every week. And when we lose, it's almost shock value and that hurts, you know, and, and my staff takes it very seriously, but I have a group of guys that love the challenge of not letting that standard down. And that's a very unique thing to get. And I'm very lucky to have them. Uh, obviously that that's some great stuff. And when you talk about, I think when new coaches, new head coaches get in, the idea of having 12 in building coaches is something that you may think happens, but it, it's getting less and less. And way less. Yeah. You have to you do have to understand that guys are gonna be there when they can be. And as the head coach, you kind of are that consistent point. And sometimes you gotta do a little more heavy lifting than other times, especially in the off season. 
because you're the one at the end of the day who, who who wants to keep building that culture and keeping everything moving forward. So I'll leave you, I'll leave the, you with this question. There's new head coaches who might be listening, or maybe people who are just looking to do things differently. What advice would you have to that coach who's looking to maybe start building that culture within their program, like you guys did at New Palestine? I mean, it's pretty easy. Even when I was an assistant, no, no, building the culture is not easy, but the the formula is. Even when I was an assistant coach, you know, I was an offensive line coach for a couple of years. I was a run game coordinator and offensive coordinator. And then I became a head coach. I think it cycles back to what I talked about with my mom and dad. It's really not a hard formula. This requires an insane amount of hard work. And you've got to be willing to put that in. When I was an assistant coach, my goal, I wanted to be a head coach someday. And that was kind of my my long-term goal that I always wanted to strive towards is I I wanted to be a head coach, but at the time it was, you know, I was, I just got done playing. I was 21 years old, turning 22 and it was all right. I got this job to be an offensive line coach. I'm going to be the best offensive line coach in America, right? Like that was my attitude. And I, I obviously couldn't be that at, at, despite a good playing career, I couldn't be that at 21 or 22, but my attitude was I'm going to do whatever it takes to be the absolute best offensive line coach in this country. And I learned, I listened, I talked to people. I didn't act like I knew everything in the world, even though I was a very successful offensive lineman in my playing days. You know, I, I learned from the staff I was on. I talked to people at clinics. I went and visited other high schools and colleges. I took down endless notes. I tried to do all that stuff. And really be the head coach of my position group. And, and it took a lot of work. Then I, when I became a run game coordinator, you know, endless hours studying the defense, what runs are best, all these types of things. Then an offensive coordinator. It's another level up of I have to know my offense inside and out, the whys, the whats, the hows. I got to know your defense inside and out, the whys, the whats, the hows. And put together a game plan and orchestrate all the position players and all that stuff. And as a head coach now, you know, Again, we've been really successful, but look, things don't change. Like I hang my hat on, I'm going to outwork you. And I don't really care, you know, what size school you are, how good you are, what your record is. It's never made a difference if we play a team that is a defending state champion and undefeated or a team that hasn't won a game in two years. I'm putting in the same work because that's what it requires because my kids deserve that. My staff deserves that. And I refuse to cheapen myself by cutting corners. So, you know, my weekends are tough Friday to Saturday. I'll probably sleep like maybe four to five hours. I'll wake up. I'll watch film before we get in there with the kids. So I know everything about coaching points so we can be more efficient. You know, my my kids have stuff on the weekends like a lot of people with children do. So I'm at sporting events on Saturdays and Sundays. So Saturday to Sunday, you know, I'll probably put another four or five hours of sleep in, get up early before my kids are up, hammer out a bunch more film and game planning, talk to a couple coaches on the staff. I've got my kids' events to go to, and, and we all just put in a tremendous amount of work. But it has to start with me. You know, if, if I – haven't watched all the film, if I don't have a great plan, if my defensive coordinator calls me to talk over some things and I don't know what he's talking about because I haven't looked at any tape yet, the whole thing falls apart. So it revolves around just a tremendous amount of hard work. 
You know, I, I do the all-season program. I'm technically our strength coach, too. When we max out next week, I'm going to collect and enter all the data with my staff. I'm going to process it, and then I'm going to print out 80 workout sheets that last for the next three months, and that's time-consuming. It takes hours to do those things, develop the groups, more hours of intentional group development. If you aren't willing to do that stuff, this is just going to be really difficult, you know, and I'm totally obsessed with that part of the process. And, and for a lot of people, that gets monotonous and it gets tiresome. But that's, I think, what makes us great is it starts with me. Our kids understand that stuff. Our staff understands that stuff. And that trickle down effect is tremendous. But if I'm not willing to do it, then I can't ask them to. That's not fair. So. If we're going to push our program to this standard, it has to start with me. And I think as a young aspiring head coach or a young head coach or whatever it might be, you have to always understand that, that it always begins with you and that you have to be the hardest worker to the highest standard in that program or, again, it all just falls apart. So uh, it's not easy and it's not for everybody. But I don't know. I guess I'd like to think maybe it is a little bit for me. I I'm I'm laughing just because I, I can relate 100% to everything you just said. Like, it's not about you, but it does involve you in every facet as a head football coach. Like you yeah. are, ro you're rolling up your sleeves and, and you're, you, you are in every system. You, you've got to be able to be the person that everybody can go to and you have to be okay doing that and okay with the work there's no secret pill like you just got to be able to put the work in yeah and i'll tell you a quick story i mean i learned that the hard way my first year we got on a t we the year before i got here they were three and seven it was a tough year for a lot of different reasons but not just the record right and we were 13 and 0 we started the year and we ripped off 13 straight wins coming off of that three and seven season before i got here and we got in the final four and played one of the perennial powerhouse teams that that had really been there, done that. They'd pumped out some Mr. Football Award winners and mm -hmm. Division One kids, some guys that got to the NFL. And, we, I mean, it was my first year as a head coach. And we went, had to go play at their place in the Final Four. And we got, I mean, we got absolutely punished. I mean, we were the new kid on the block. They were the show. They won the whole thing that year. And, I mean, we got, we got drilled. And, you know, as the game goes on, you're just kind of reeling, thinking about like, God, how do we fix this? Can we damage control? And, and you know, all that stuff was going on. So when we do our offseason meetings with our kids, a couple of my seniors that were wonderful, wonderful kids, great players, but very intense. We had the offseason meetings with them and both of them separately in their meetings said, you know, I kind of asked them like, how did you feel during that game? And how was that something that we can improve on so things like that don't happen you play great teams you get beat you sometimes you get beat bad but in two separate meetings both of these two what essentially were captain caliber linebackers for the following year they both said that you know coach you know they were a great team and we probably couldn't have beaten them anyway but the hardest part was when we were looking to you for stability and strength it just didn't feel like all the other games had. You just felt like there weren't any answers you could give us and that you were kind of kind of out of it a little bit. And I said, well, guys, I mean, 
you're right. And I, I didn't take it personally, but I thought back to that game and how I felt. And I did. I mean, there was so much going on that you forget you're the, you're the top of the mountain. They're all looking to, and you have to give them that stability. Even when you know that boy is it, it doesn't matter. I mean, the stability, the comfort, the encouragement, none of it made a difference that game, but it's what those kids needed. And I didn't provide it in that moment. And that's, I've, I've never forgotten that. I never will. No matter how bad things have gotten at times, my focal point is always to be there and be present and, and, and engage. And that's such a huge piece of it because yeah, it, it is all for the kids. And if, if they look at me and see, you know, frozen, they're going to freeze too. And, and so it was a hard lesson and a hard look at the mirror, but I have never forgotten it. And, and I think that's a really great piece of advice and kind of to couple along with what you were saying as well. Yeah. Now you got to be the horizon line and it's uh, not easy when there's a couple thousand people looking at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or screaming, yelling, throwing things at you. Yeah. Coach Kyle Ralph of New Palestine High School. This is a master's class in, in building a program and you're pretty good at the X's and O's too. Like if you're looking for a place to start uh, researching from a, how do I build, how do I build a program? You got to look here. I, I can't thank you enough, coach. Thanks for spending time with us on, on cultural West. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate the kind words and thanks a lot uh, for this opportunity. Rob, there's a ton of takeaways in this one, but where were the ones that you focused on here with Coach Ralph? The biggest one that came across to me was what I've kind of affectionately called the Cincinnati sacrifice when he talked about the initial push that he made as a new head coach and taking over a program in a different state, moving his family into that community while he stayed back in Cincinnati and the schedule that he kept just to get the ball rolling at that program really stood out to me as showing his drive, his motivation, and, and what he called well, the it-takes-what-it-takes attitude that he's implemented over at New Palestine High School. I thought that was just fantastic. And he kind of articulated extremely well that, you know, as a head coach, there is somewhat of a reinvention every year that has to happen, both with your program, but also with you as a head coach, and asking those pivotal questions of, where am I at in, in my journey and what's the maturation process that I'm on and how is that going to be impacted with my program? And then I thought he finished up talking about how he had his players about his midway point of his tenure so far where he took them, brought them in, and they really redeveloped what they felt their core values were. They trimmed the fat. They came down to three specific values and had the players then – create almost a leadership manifesto of what those look like, what they feel like, what they sound like within the four walls of their program. Just unbelievable stuff from a culture standpoint when you're trying to build those initial building blocks. And Kyle just brought it with great energy and great articulation. It was so much fun talking to him. It was another one that just had me glued to my headphones, not wanting to put it down here when I initially picked it up and listened and just an incredible job by you and bringing out some of these details in your conversation with Coach Ralph. We have another great one next week with Derek Leonard, multiple-time state champion, building a powerhouse in Illinois, and we're excited that you'll be sharing that one with us as well. Listeners, keep tuning in. Follow all of these on our series webpage. We'll share that in the show notes on coachingcoordinator.com. 
And follow us on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski. Follow Coach Pomazak at Robert Pomazak. And keep tuning in to this show.